Uh, please open up to Exodus chapter 16. Well, for our communion meditation, we'll be looking at uh, this account of the Israelites just after they have crossed uh, the Red Sea. So we'll be reading verses 1 through 4. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, sorry, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So here we have a critical situation um, about a, um, a month and a half after crossing the Red Sea. Their supplies have run out. Uh, if you, if you um, backed up a few verses into chapter 15, you'd see the account of them running out of water. They ran out of water about three days after they crossed the Red Sea. So in both cases, they... Uh, they, they ran out of their critical supplies, and they came to despair, and they complained. Now, I've flown over this uh, region uh, at high altitude, and um, it was very remarkable to me. I look out, and, and the whole area is brown, except for this green triangle that is, that is the Delta Nile. And, um, and you know, it was, it was a rich... Land, it was a cultivated land, and, and that's the land that, that they came from. Now, for these Israelites, even though they had been in bondage, they had ha had these benefits of this, uh, this provision. I don't know about you. I mean, we, we often are quick to accuse them of, uh, of complaining, but I may have complained as well, especially if I had my, my family with me. I may have said something like, oh, just so you know, this wasn't my idea. To come here. So, um, you know, the complaint is a sin, though. If you look at Jude 16, a complaining and murmuring is listed as those who are godless, the apostate, those who continue in complaining and murmuring. So as we know that it's set against uh, God's, God's will. Yet God was gracious to them. Matthew Henry writes, Justly he might have said, I will rain fire and brimstone upon these murmurers and consume them. But quite contrary, he promises to rain bread upon them. So God responded there to their complaint with grace and mercy. But why would God cause them to run out of water and food in the first place? Is, is, the, um, is the Lord of the universe unaware that um, every good, what every good general knows and that logistics are the key to any successful land movement? Well, of course, God, God knows. God knows that. He knows what they need. 
But why would God cause them to run out of water and food in the first place? Let's look at verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. They were to be tested by God. Now, Scripture gives many accounts of people being tested by God. It's really from the beginning to the end. You can start with Adam and then go to Abraham and all, all the way through and see that God is testing us. But let's remember that while God tests us, He never tempts us. James 1, 13 through 14 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does He Himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So God's test, not tempting, test, is always done with the aim of purifying and sanctifying his people. I like to think of it as a, as, as a positive opportunity. Here, here is an opportunity to grow, to show yourself faithful. It's an opportunity for us to grow in our walk. It is not a temptation to do evil. If we had time to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, we would see that this, this testing also involved a lesson. And you're familiar with this lesson. Their training lesson was to learn that man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Now we need to realize that it's a normal pattern for the Lord to give tests and trials on the way to an inheritance. Gary referred to 1 Peter in his sermon last week. And this is sort of the seminal passage for this. It's very clear. It's written in 1 Peter that on our way to an incorruptible inheritance... We have trials. And this is what it says, starting in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, might be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The idea of testing and training someone for an inheritance is not unfamiliar to us, actually. Think of a father who has an inheritance for his son. That inheritance rests upon the goodness of the father and the relationship that he has with his son. The inheritance is not worked for, but there's testing along the way to make sure he is prepared to accept it. It is not that we are earning the inheritance. The inheritance is sealed up, and only faith in God's provision is required to obtain it. I love John chapter 6, when Jesus is, is confronted with just such an important question. I'm going to go ahead and turn there. John, John chapter 6, you can turn there with me if you like. I'm going to start in uh, verse 27. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What should we do that we may do the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe 
in him whom he has sent. Now, I'm pretty sure that none of us will pass every test that is in front of us. But as Pastor Kaiser says, direction, not perfection, right? We're going the way towards our inheritance. But as a warning here in Exodus, this testing did not result in the inheritance of this first generation. One commentator wrote, The promise of God had to be suspended until another generation had sprung up, in whom that training, by being longer continued, was to prove more thoroughly effectual. For us in our journey, we need to realize that this is a warning for us, but we have advantages that they did not have. We have the lessons that were written for our learning. We have grace in greater measure. And we have more benefits for the journey. Like an American soldier who is well-equipped versus an Arab nomad out in the battlefield. We are very well-equipped. And one of those benefits and one of those equipping is our communion. I am so thankful that we partake communion weekly here. That's actually not the case in many churches. But we can, we can take the benefits weekly and be refreshed. Let's pray. Dear Father, you present us with a lesson, a helpful lesson as we walk toward your inheritance. Thank you for your testing that provides an opportunity to seize upon your promises and to grow in holiness. Help us not to look back to the green banks of the Nile rather than looking ahead to our inheritance and depending upon you to provide for us as we get there. Allow us to see that you will withhold no good thing from your people, even if it seems like you are withholding something in our flesh. Renew our minds and refresh our souls as we partake in your table today. In Jesus' name, amen.